Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Natasha Gilbert with me. Natasha is a body confidence and wellness coach, helping people to transform their physical, emotional, and spiritual relationships. Natasha's background is in activism and holistic practice. Whilst working to empower people from marginalized communities, she now combines transformational coaching with chakra healing, yin yoga, and inner child visualization to help people transcend body shame and unlock the powerful experience of total freedom. Natasha, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Sure. So um, my, the main part of my work is is helping women one-to-one um, in sessions, either online and starting to do them in person. So I've just moved to Brighton. Um, and basically, I take women on a journey with their bodies. So uh, if you imagine going into couples therapy or family therapy, where you're working on a diff- difficult relationship with a person, it's similar to that, except the relationship is with your body. You look at the, the story that you've had with your body, where the shame or the embodied trauma comes from, and then you begin to return to your body and reconcile and heal. So that's the main strand of my work. But I also run a women's circle called Outside the Curve, um, online and, and in person. And that's just where a group of women get together and we talk about our realness, our imperfections, and just really get anything off the system, any judgments that we've had, um, and just really, yeah, embrace as much realness as we as we can. And then we do some guided meditation together, we honor our ancestors, you know, all the lovely women's circle things that we enjoy. I try to bring it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the that's the main two things that I do. Love that. And I'm wondering what interests you so much in focusing in this area. Um, so I have had my own journey with body shame. So often the way with coaches, when we specialize that it's based on our own journeys, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my own journey with body shame. Um, and I grew up in a, a very small town where, um, it was a very small, white, straight, um, Everyone was fairly blonde and had like long, long straight hair. And I am someone who is from an ethnic minority background. I have uh, slightly darker skin than, than other people there do. And I um, big, big curly hair. And um, I felt very much like an, an outsider. Um, and I got bullied a lot for my body. And especially I have more body hair than, than the other kids. And they've noticed that. And I got bullied a lot for that too. And um, I think for many years, I tried to suppress and, and cover up and mask my, uh, or change my body to fit in with, with other people's, um, to the point where I felt I was damaging my skin and, um, and it wasn't necessarily improving my relationship with myself in any way. Um, and at, at some point, I just made the decision to try and embrace my authentic self and be brave and be rebellious, go against the grain. And I realized that that made me so much happier and actually so much more socially confident. Um, and it drew the right people towards me, too. Um, 
And I combined it with the spiritual journey that I was on as well, um, where I was doing a lot of deep healing on my trauma at the time. And I thought if I could combine that for other women, that journey where they can authentically embrace who they are um, to the point where they can activate a rebellion against what society expects of them, whilst deeply healing their embodied trauma, then we could see a lot more women feeling free to be themselves and then, of course, share their message. Your body is your messenger. And if you don't like your body, you can't share your message. Um, so that's the, that's the end goal or the end aim with the women I work with. Mm. And I love the words that you use, rebellion, because um, I hear it because I've got ADHD. I hear it's an ADHD thing that we hate authority. Yeah. But I definitely I definitely have an uncomfortable relationship with authority. So I feel like anything where I can rebel, I really want to get behind. Um, and I guess mm. that links in with your activism as well and that kind of strong, strong willingness. And what you were talking about is a similar conversation that I have with many of my clients about they've tried this diet and they've tried that exercise routine and they've lost weight. And when they've lost weight, they still feel insecure about their body and then they might lose more weight or they might put it back on. And at no point in that journey do they ever get to a stage where they think, oh, wow, I'm truly happy with my body now. That yeah. end goal in that way that they're trying to get there, it doesn't come. So it's about yeah. reframing it to, well, maybe it's not the relationship with food or relationship with exercise you need to change, but it's the relationship with yourself and your own body. And, you know, I, I think they know this stuff, but it, it's different knowing it or actually embodying it and embracing it and making that change. Yeah, I think it's because people don't necessarily always realize that the body isn't just the body. It's very symbolic. Um, I really love the term, don't judge a book by its cover. It's such a great term because it actually explains the role of the body, the social role of the body. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine that who you are is this complex story, right? This gorgeous complex story full of flaws and imperfections, but also beauty and grace. Um, the authentic you is, is such an incredible story. But when we're making social impressions, we have this really short amount of time to make that impression. And uh, that's our blurb, right? The body is the blurb. We do all of our expressing, all of our impression making through the body, through the voice, body language, eye contact. Um, and so it's not just about, oh, I don't like my blurb or I like my blurb. Really, what we're saying is, I'm not necessarily sure I like my story. And what if my blurb exposes the bits of the story that I don't like? So if I don't do a good enough job at writing this really perfect blurb, then people are gonna see that deep down I'm uncool or I'm ugly or um, I'm weird or I'm damaged, you know? So that's what it's really about. It's about their relationship with who they actually are and whether or not the blurb is doing a good enough job to mask it up or for some people, it's the opposite. They actually kind of like who they are. They actually think they're kind of fabulous and, and really interesting, but they feel like their body doesn't do a good enough job at showing that. They're like, oh, my body's kind of boring or um, I can't make it look fabulous enough to really express all these interesting things about me. And then people don't give my personality a chance. So yeah, body 
it's the body it's it's much more to do with what message it conveys it's so interesting and I'm thinking about this don't judge a book by its cover thing and if we're thinking about actual literal books I do judge books by their covers. Their covers. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't help it. You know, sometimes I have a flick through or look at the bio, but if the front of it is boring, that does have an impact on me. And if yes. we are translating that to society, you know, I, I know that, especially us in the industry, we like to think we are higher, you know, beings and we don't judge people. And it's like, but in reality, we are going to be influenced by something. There's going to be things that people are putting out in the world that will have an influence on us. And this interesting thing happened to me two days ago, actually. Um, in basically, this guy walked up to me on the street and asked me if I wanted to buy weed. And what I found was interesting about that is I've been living in Brighton for a year now. And that's the first time anyone's ever come up to me on the street and asked me if I wanted to buy any weed. And I used to have blonde hair. And I never got that. And I was like, do you think it's because I've dyed my hair pink and pink has, you know, these connotations of maybe partying more or being a bit more free, in which case I'm more yes. likely to buy the weeds. And it's happened with my husband as well. He goes from having hair a bit like yours, actually shorter, but really big and curly. Mm -hmm. um, and when he has hair like that, people proposition him to sell him drugs on the street. And now he has a shaved head. And with a shaved head, it doesn't happen. And it's just so interesting that this change of hair can have an impact on what someone just assumes about you just on, on the street. That's yeah, it. it's, so, it's so interesting you just brought this up because this happened a couple of days ago. I was walking with a friend of mine uh, who is a woman of color and um, someone came up to, to her um, to actually ask her if she sells weed. And she very rightly so confronted that person and say, you've asked me because I'm a black person. You've made that judgment. And please don't do that because it's racist. And the guy was really taken aback but, and, and stumbled over his words, but hopefully got in because actually he very much negatively judged a book by its cover. I mean, in those situations, it's uh, a pretty, pretty problematic thing to do. But in general, I think we are judging books by their covers all the time. And in a way, we kind of have to. We have to make these judgments on whether someone is going to hurt us or not hurt us. Sometimes that's based on really problematic um, misinformation and miseducation we've received growing up, which is a huge tragedy. Um, but the role of making those quick decisions is really important to us as human beings in order to protect ourselves from danger. Um, so the, the statement, don't judge a book by its cover, is flawed because we're really programmed to do that. <laughs> but it's good because it makes us aware that people are more than their covers, that there is a whole story in there that might not necessarily line up to the cover. I love that. It's so beautiful. Um, so if we circle back to body confidence yes for the listeners what is it if you could summarize what having body confidence is um i would say body confidence is when you feel that you are happy with the way the blurb describes the story Mm -hmm. So really, that's about being happier with the story 
to start with, embracing more of the vulnerability, embracing more of the imperfections and the flaws of who you are as a person, and then allowing your body to naturally convey that story rather than mask it, rather than to summarize it in a way that leaves parts out of the story to allow your, your body to naturally express who you are. Um, and so much of who you are is on your body. You know, for instance, my, uh, my body hair comes from my ethnic background and that's part of my story and it's a beautiful part of my story. So I leave it, I leave it there, <laughs> you know. Um, that's body confidence. You're falling in love with your blurb, really falling in love with your story and the way that your blurb tells your story. It's so beautiful. So it's almost, I'm going to use the word imperfections, but with like air, what are these air quotes, air commas, what are they called? Air quotes, yeah. Air quotes. Um, <laughs> so it's like being your authentic self and allowing that to kind of show on the outside with the so-called imperfections instead of what some people might think body confidence is, which is being the perfect um, or what people perceive or what they think they need to look like perfect on the outside. That's the difference, right? Yeah, that and, and what you've just described is, is absolutely not body confidence. That's body shame masquerading body confidence. Um, yeah, there, it, there's a lot based in perfectionism in this society. And what perfectionism, perfectionism really is, is uh, hiding. It is hiding parts of you that are deemed as undesirable that might have you excluded from social situations or from partners or from the public. Um, but really my job is to, to help people embrace those undesirable parts and reframe them as desirable. So this is you, this is your story. And I love that you use the word authentic because it's absolutely about authenticity. Authenticity is magical. And that's what attracts people to you. That's what, that's your unique selling point, your authenticity. Mm -hmm. And your body wants to express that for you. So body confidence allows you to express that, express those authentic, imperfect air quoting here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess some people might be listening and thinking, well, I don't know what's authentic for me. Yes. Yeah. And how, you know, how can they work that out? I guess that's why they work with you, right? To find out, well, what is authentic for me? What, what is my blurb? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I sometimes work, well, actually often work with women who have been in codependent relationships. Um, and what's really interesting is that for a lot of women who do end up in that situation is uh, a lack of a sense of self where they become alive in somebody else's identity or that person's mirror of them, the person's impression, understanding of who they are. Um, and, and, you, and you see women who in codependent relationships do struggle with, with body image and body confidence for this exact reason, because they don't have a sense of who they authentically are. Um, and that's one of my favorite parts of this work is, is helping women and supporting women uh, to a point where they find themselves because there is so much to find. You know, you've been with yourself however many years you've been alive. And 
that is a really long and beautiful story and and there's gems throughout this that story to dig up that will help you understand who you are the things that you really really love to do the moments where you felt most alive that's really telling of who you are um the way that you like to interact with people the moments where you felt you have been a good person or a kind person or aligned with your values that tells something of who you are um, and also your history, your ancestry, exploring all of that gives you a richer understanding of who you are. Um, but yeah, I love identity work. I can't tell you, I can't tell anyone who they are or help anyone understand who they are over a podcast, but yeah. Work. And I know you have a huge passion for working with women, um, but I just want to clarify this work can be for all genders, can't it? And I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and all, you know, if we think about men, I think culturally, um, people think, well, men don't have a problem. But in reality, they do. And there's so much around, they, ha they have to look in a certain way, they've got to have a six pack, they've got to be strong and masculine and you know all these things. And the majority of men don't look like that. They aren't like that. That's not their blood, that's not their authenticity. And about how it's okay for them to want to find their authentic self as well. Yes. Yeah? 100%. And I actually love working with men and I have worked with men. It's beautiful work um, helping men and guiding men to see um, and embrace their vulnerable parts. Um, because obviously, as we all know, um, men do struggle, often do struggle to do that. They, they've been conditioned even more to hide their vulnerability and to show strength, masculinity is is not vulnerable ever it shouldn't be and this is uh, i'm not saying it shouldn't be but this is what society says right? yeah more air quotes <laughs> yeah i do love working with men but you might find it very interesting to know that um as a body confidence coach i get hypersexualized by men um and therefore it's actually quite unsafe for me at the moment to to work with men um because there are quite quite a few coming in with a different agenda approaching me with a different agenda so I've had to make that distinction I've had to say I'm working with women and I'm putting that focus um in order to protect myself which I find very interesting very ironic um but there are obviously some really incredible and wonderful men out there um who I would love to work with in the future and hope that we find each other in a way that is safe um but also my reason for working with women is um and this bit of a content warning for uh, sexual assault. So my reason for working with, with women is the increase in um, reporting of sexual assault. Um, and that's not, not to say that more sexual assaults are happening, but more are being reported now, which is a good thing, but we're being exposed to it on the news. And um, I think a, a lot of women have felt more unsafe and it's triggered old stories and shame coming up. And I really want to empower women as much as possible at the moment um, when there is this weight of, of shame and silencing uh, still coming from, from uh, internalized misogyny on all parts. Yeah. And I think the listeners might be wondering how does this, how does body confidence, so having it or not mm -hmm. having it, have an impact on sex? 
on sex um yeah. love that question so much so um really body confidence manifest or low body confidence manifests in self-consciousness a lot of the time whether that's socially or even in family situations any situation it manifests in self-consciousness and we experience self-consciousness in sex it blocks us from receiving pleasure um and i think most women i've spoken to whether or not their main issue is in sex has had an experience of this where um maybe their partner's going down on them and they're thinking oh what if i taste bad what if i smell bad what if it doesn't feel good for that other person and like or what if they undress me and they see my body and they're just horrified and all of these thoughts going through your head is going to stop you from experiencing pleasure it's going to stop you from feeling turned on um and you can kind of end up spiraling a little bit and of course the more you're in your head the more awkward the sexual situations become um and then the less you want them so that's how it impacts sex. That's like a summary of how it impacts sex, but it's different for everyone, right? It's complex. And I think so many of the listeners could, probably nearly all of the listeners could resonate with what you were just talking about at some time of their lives. And, you know, that's one of the big reasons for sexual dysfunction because we're so in the head and not in the body and we're worrying and we're anxious and that has a direct impact on the pelvic floor muscles. It has an impact on desire. It has an impact on erections. So it's, it, you know, it's very varied. Some people will experience it and still have sex that they want, but maybe a less embodied experience. I have lots of others that is going to have more of a direct impact on the actual physicality of the sex as well. So it's, It's a huge, huge issue, actually, um, and one that I don't think anyone, except from yourself, but like barely anyone knows how to solve. It's not really something that we know can be solved. We think, like I was referring to earlier, you know, we'll go on the diet. I'll change this thing about me, and that's that's how people think they need to change it. I'm wondering, yeah, what harmful ways have you seen people try to improve their confidence? I think that is the main harmful way what you've just described, which is to change, to keep trying to change the body um, in order to achieve a different and desired version of yourself. I've been there. Um, I went through a period of uh, like excessive exercise where I wanted to tone up. And then when I did get toned, I didn't feel any better, just as you described earlier in this in, in this podcast. You've worked with so many clients who have experienced the same thing. Um, and interestingly, at the time, I was trying to impress somebody, um, and then I I suffered a, a massive injury, which uh, which landed me in a wheelchair, and um, it was a very important ego death for me. Yeah. Um, because. Uh, wheelchairs and have been uh, people in wheelchairs have been um, very unfairly portrayed in society as undesirable in terms of attraction and um, that's then something I became very passionate about in terms of my activism as well is uh, why are people in wheelchairs portrayed in that way so I went from trying to achieve something that was the most desirable in society a very active fit toned person 
to someone in a wheelchair, literally one swing to another. Um, an incredibly important lesson. Yeah. And stopped me in my tracks from trying to change my body because I was like, this is, this, this is really a massive lesson. Uh, and I, if I keep trying to do this, I'm going to probably end up injured again. Because yeah. um, we need to find, we need to find a way that lesson needs to find a way of reaching you somehow. And um, we, and people do often harm themselves in that, in that process of, of uh, trying to achieve their desired image. It is, it is harmful. You know, women who um, shave constantly, especially if they have, if they're genetically hairy like me, they can end up damaging their skin. This is what I did as well. So I ended up getting ingrown hairs and I couldn't wear denim. I couldn't wear lots of materials that I wanted to wear. Ironically, materials that I thought would make me look more attractive, I couldn't wear them because my skin was hurting. <laughs> um, so yes, and that's a very expensive way to try and become body confident. We invest so much money in, uh, in buying certain clothes and dieting and diet pills and... Um, products, cosmetics to make ourselves feel more confident. And um, it's very interesting when people say, I'm not sure I have the money to work with a body confidence coach. Because sometimes my first question is, well, how much do you invest? How much have you invested um, in trying to change your appearance to feel more confident? And usually the answer is thousands and thousands and thousands, you know, yeah. sometimes four or 5,000 in a year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which is obviously not what I charge. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and that's very, the very ironic thing is that if you did choose to work with a body confidence coach, you actually feel inspired and empowered by your natural body, then you end up spending so much less money in the future. And so much less time and energy in trying to impress people because you actually feel connected to your body and, and how you are and who you are. Um, so it's really a liberating experience because it returns your energy to you. And that's the other harmful way. Uh, the other harmful way, rather than just changing your body, is also trying to seek validation from others. So maybe you've tried to change your body. It didn't work. You still felt bad. So you go about seeking out relationships where people will tell you uh, that, that you look good um, and you can be seductive and, and try all sorts of behavior in order to get that validation. But it's very, very risky because you can, you can get that validation and then, then if those people give you that validation, then reject you, suddenly you hate yourself again. Swings yes. around us. I call it the point system. So certain friend that you like, tells you, oh, you look great. Three points, three positive points. Oh, I feel better about myself now. Someone you fancy tells you you look great. Six positive points, or they maybe they embrace you, they touch you. 15 points, I feel amazing now about my body. That's fantastic. And then suddenly that person you fancy goes off the scene, goes off the radar, ghosts you. Then you're down to a minus 30 and you hate yourself. So it's a, it's a very destabilizing system to be a part of in your mind and in your heart. Um, so I like to try and help the people I work with to eradicate the point system of validation. It's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, 
I've got so many thoughts to what you to all the different things you were just saying. And one of them is similar to this point system you're talking about, but almost working in a different way. So there was a space that I used to frequent. And every time I went to this space to these people, they were lovely. So they were all very complimentary. Um, the word perfect was thrown around a lot, you know, about myself. But then I started, you know, then I felt like I had to live up to their expectation of being perfect. You know, I felt like, oh, I can't turn up to this space without makeup on because yeah. then they're going to think, well, what's happened to her? She's not perfect anymore. And mm -hmm. then I felt like, actually, there's so much pressure for me to live up to this when if they hadn't been so complimentary in a way, I would have actually felt like I could just be more me, which sounds really yeah. backwards, but that's something that I really noticed. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, interestingly to what you were saying about how much people invest in the, um, what do we call it? So the industry of looking good, but the yeah. body industry, cosmetic industry, yeah. and how much, you know, people being wary about paying for yourself. I have the same conversation with my clients or potential new clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's a couple who are coming and it's about priorities, right? And about what society has persuaded us is a priority. So a session with me is, is under a hundred pounds, but they might spend a hundred pounds on a meal. They might sp spend a hundred pounds on a gram of cocaine. They might spend a hundred pounds on a pair of jeans. And then when it comes to therapy, it's, oh, that's quite a lot of money. And it's like, where are your priorities? Because I thought your priority was with the relationship. What's more important, cocaine, jeans, and meal? or the relationship. And as soon as you shift it, people are like, shit, yeah, that is the main priority. But it's just not talked about. It's not what's, you know, done in society. It's not what it's what's seen. So people just have this kind of warped concept around money. Um, and still going back to other things you said, because I just want to get this out there. So for the listeners, I just want to put a kind of bit of a disclaimer out that obviously what myself and Natasha are talking about we're, we're kind of generalizing, right? Because there might be a few of you who are listening who think, well, actually I lost loads of weight and now I feel amazing. And obviously that can happen too. There can be some situations where some people change things about yourself and you feel better. Um, so I don't want to discount that. Obviously that is an experience that can happen as well. What we're talking about is more like this um, unattainable goal where there's always something, there's always something next, there's always something else that is wanting to be changed. And also that the confidence comes from more of an internal place rather than an external place, right? Mm -hmm. I'm summarizing, but I just wanna check that you're on board with that. I'm so on board with that, of yeah. course. <laughs> All we're saying is that we're looking at the patterns of um, the behavior that our clients have undertaken that hasn't worked for them on the whole. Yeah. Um, and what we've seen on the whole or most of our clients, both you and I, is that, that that journey hasn't worked. And of course, there will always be exceptions. For some people, it does work. They do feel better. And, um, you know, of course, I would advocate, especially in the, the context of weight loss, um, I do support and help some of my clients to lose weight if they're overweight, um, because I'm a nutritionist as well. But it has to come from a place of of self-love and self-care um, and not from a place of trying to achieve a desired image or from shaming um, a larger body. Because larger bodies are beautiful and sometimes uh, larger bodies are, are healthier. 
than um, smaller, some smaller bodies, not all smaller bodies. But there are, there are a few, quite a few people out there who are plus sized women who work out and who are really fit and who are really healthy. And they're, you know, maybe just genetically bigger boned or curvy naturally. And, and that's amazing. So we're not fat shaming here. Um, but there are some women who do need to lose weight for their health. And I help them do that. And of course they feel better because they feel better in, in their health. And then that reflects in their confidence generally overall. So that, that's one particular exception I wanted to mention. Perfect. Yeah. And I think if the listeners are thinking about what you were referring to earlier about being in a wheelchair and how that mm. societally isn't a sexualized space to be in, yes. I just want to advocate for everyone to maybe go to a BDSM event because in BDSM events typically there's more diversity and you will mm. see many different people in many different situations experiencing and giving pleasure and I think that is so liberating when we um, are, are living in a place where we don't see people in wheelchairs being in a sexualized space and that mm. can be so freeing because except from people who are asexual we are all sexual beings and it doesn't matter if you're if you've got a disability, if you are in a wheelchair, you know, unless you are asexual, you are sexual and people can't see that. We haven't been taught to see that. Mm. If you could give the listeners a takeaway, so something to try or something to think about to how to connect with that love, what would that be? Um. Just imagine that you're on one side of a valley and your body is on the other side of the valley. A lot of the time you're looking in the direction of the world with your back to your body and the world wants you to be a certain way and you try to be that certain way. The first step is to really turn around and look at your body instead of at the world and what the world wants. You just say, look at your body and set the intention. I am going to return to you. And it might take a while. It's not gonna happen overnight, but I want to be your friend. I want to look after you and I want to embrace eventually who you naturally are. And when I say embrace, I don't mean love. Not, not all people can fall in love with their bodies as their end goal. Um, neutrality is, is amazing. That's good enough to embrace your body, to be at peace with your body at some point. It's just setting the intention, I'm going to build a bridge in spite of the world towards you, my body. So beautiful. I really love that. That's amazing. We are Thanks going so to much. have to round up today. I feel like I could talk to you for such a long time. Um, Same. <laughs> where can the listeners find you? Uh, the best place to find me is uh, definitely on Instagram because that's where my link tree is. So all the projects I do is, is on my link tree. Um, so my Instagram is at natasha.gilbert. Gilbert's felt like the rugby ball Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're, if you're not on Instagram, just type in Natasha Gilbert coaching into Facebook and uh, you can find me on there as well. Or um, our sacred curve, which is my community for 
for women. I have a private group um, that you can join. You can request to join. Um, yeah, those are the best places. Incredible. I'm going to post that on the show notes page. Thank you so much for coming. It was awesome. Thanks, Becky. I had such a good time chatting to you. 